Hey there, thanks for tuning in to the Captain's Log Sermons. You'll be hearing Nathan preach not only at Liberty Grace Church, but also at surrounding churches. We hope that this is an encouragement to you and that you're blessed. Hey, Liberty Grace, hope you guys are doing really well today and happy long weekend to all of you. I, uh, I know some of you have been enjoying the beautiful weather. Hope you all get a chance to get outside and enjoy it a little bit. Um, but today, this is the second week and incidentally the last week in this little mini series that we're doing uh, called The News That We Almost Forgot. And the purpose of this series is to look at two specific days, two moments in history that are so significant but often overlooked by the church today. You know, as Christians, we, we celebrate Christmas and Good Friday and Easter and all these days so, so faithfully. But these two days, they really don't get that same level of recognition, even though they are such significant days for our faith. And so last week, Daryl took us through Ascension Sunday, talking to us about Jesus' return to the Father. And we saw how Jesus' work as prophet, priest, and king, how all three of these roles were fulfilled through his ascension, through his returning to the Father. And so today, we're going to look at another day that is, that is often overlooked and can tend to cause a little bit of confusion. Um, we're going to be looking at the day of Pentecost that's described in Acts chapter 2, and we're going to be talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And this is, this is such a, a huge topic to cover. There's so much in this passage. And so we're not going to be able to get into every little detail, everything about the Holy Spirit. Uh, there, there are entire seminary courses dedicated just to talking about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. But our goal for today is really to get sort of the 10,000-foot the view of Pentecost, of, of this day, what's going on here, and why it's so significant for us. Now, the, the term Pentecost itself, literally, it just means 50 or, or 50th. It was the day that corresponded with the Jewish festival of weeks or, or the feast of weeks. And that was meant to take place 50 days after the Passover. And it was a celebration of the grain harvest. So this Pentecost, this was a, a celebration that the Jews would have been celebrating for a long time. But on this day specifically, on this particular Pentecost, there was something much more going on. And so as we look at this passage to get an overview of this very significant day, we're going to look at two really important things that happen, two things that take place on this day that make it so important for us as a church. And ultimately, our, our goal is going to be to ask and to answer this question together. Why is Pentecost so significant for the church? And why is it worth remembering? And so the first thing that we, that we see, the first significant thing that happens on this day is probably the thing that Pentecost itself is best known for. And that is the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you look back through our series, looking at the heart of Christ through the end of Jesus' life, you'll see that he promised again and again and again to his disciples that when he left them, when he ascended and returned to the Father, it would actually be to their benefit that that happened. Because once he left, he was going to send them another helper. He was going to send them the Spirit, and that when that Spirit came, they would be empowered to do even greater works than he did. 
And so the day of Pentecost is where we see that promise that Jesus made to his disciples fulfilled. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, give us a description of that actual event, the moment that this promised helper, the, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, was sent to Jesus' followers. And I just want to read again those verses for you. They say, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so we have this incredible moment where all of Jesus' followers, they're, they're gathered together in one place and suddenly this gift, this helper that Jesus has promised to them comes. And the verse tells us that there was a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind, and they were all filled with the Spirit. Uh, that's such an amazing scene, but it, it does bring up an interesting question about the Holy Spirit and, and the role of the Holy Spirit. Specifically, what was the role of the Holy Spirit before this point, before Acts chapter 2? You know, are we, are we supposed to think that the Holy Spirit since creation has just sort of been hanging out on the bench in, in heaven, sort of waiting for Jesus to finish his thing, and, and now it's time for the Spirit to come and, uh, and to take center stage here? That's not, that's not quite what's going on. There is something significant that changes here at Pentecost about the role of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at that, but it's also important to note that Acts chapter 2 is not the first time that the Spirit shows up in the Bible. This is not the first place that the Holy Spirit shows up. In reality, the Holy Spirit, he's been actively involved in our world and in God's plan since the very beginning. If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, we, we read this word, these words, that the earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so the Spirit was present even at the moment of creation, and he's been active in God's plan all the way through the Old Testament. If you look at Acts chapter 1, verse 16, this is something that Peter is saying to the other disciples this is what he says, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas. And so we see there that the Holy Spirit was present and was working during the Old Testament. And throughout, throughout Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and would rest on certain people for certain periods of time. And we see examples of this in, in David. We see examples of this in the prophets, in those who were, um, who were inspired in the writing of the scriptures, in the actual writing of the Old Testament itself, that God's spirit did rest on certain people at certain times throughout the Old Testament. We also see evidence that God's spirit was present with his people, with the Israelites, in a general sense throughout all of the Old Testament. Rather than resting on each specific individual Israelite, God's spirit was with the nation as a whole. And we see evidence of that even through the story of Moses, that God's presence was with the people during their time in the wilderness. His presence could be seen as a pillar of fire or a, a pillar of cloud, and God's presence would come and would rest on the tabernacle and would guide the people. 
And so the Holy Spirit has been active in our world and present in our world all along. But here at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, something does change. Something changes about his role and, and his presence in our world. And to understand that, I, I think John Piper has written a, a really great illustration. This is something that Daryl sent to me earlier this week, and I think it sums up really well uh, the, the change that occurs in this moment. And I, I just want to read this for you. It's a bit of a longer quote, but I think he does such a good job of capturing this shift. This is what John Piper says. Picture a huge dam for hydroelectric power under construction, like the Aswan High Dam on the Nile. 375 feet high and 11,000 feet across. Egypt's president Nasser announced the plan for construction in 1953. The dam was completed in 1970 and in 1971, there was a grand dedication ceremony and the 12 turbines with their 10 billion kilowatt per hour capacity were unleashed with enough power to light every city in Egypt. And during the long period of construction, the Nile River wasn't completely stopped. Even as the reservoir was filling, part of the river was allowed to flow past. And the country folk downstream depended on it. They drank it, they washed in it, they watered their crops and turned their mill wheels. They sailed on it in the moonlight and wrote songs about it. It was their life. But on the day when the reservoir poured through the turbines, a power was unleashed that spread far beyond the few folk downriver and brought possibilities they had only dreamed of. Well, Pentecost is like the dedicatory opening of the Aswan High Dam. Before Pentecost, the river of God's spirit blessed the people of Israel and was their very life. But after Pentecost, the power of the spirit spread out to light the whole world. None of the benefits enjoyed in the pre-Pentecostal days were taken away, but 10 billion kilowatts were added to enable the church to take the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ to every tongue and tribe and nation. And so I think there, John Piper does such a good job of capturing the, the shift that's happening here in Acts chapter 2 that uh, no longer is the spirit of God restricted just to a general presence with the people of Israel, but um, everyone who has come to faith in Christ is given this blessing of the presence of God's spirit. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes on Jesus' followers in a new and massively significant way. And this coming is accompanied in that moment by two miraculous signs. The first sign is these tongues of fire that came to rest on the heads of each one of Jesus' followers. And one of the commentaries that I was reading drew a connection here back to the book of Exodus, where God's presence with the nation of Israel was visible to them at night as a pillar of fire. There was the one pillar showing God's presence with the nation as a whole, but in this moment, you have individual tongues of fire coming to rest over the heads of each and every believer showing the specific and the personal presence of the Holy Spirit with everyone who's given their life to follow Christ. And the second sign that we see is the ability for the disciples uh, to speak in different languages. And this is, this is a bit different from the gift of tongues that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Um, there he talks about people speaking to God in, in a language that no one can understand except for someone who's been gifted with the ability to interpret it. 
But what we have here in this specific situation is the disciples being given an ability to speak specifically in known languages to be understood by the crowds and the the various people who were represented there. In Acts chapter 2, verse 6, we read, And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And again, the the same commentary that I was reading explains what's happening here like this. He says, For one brief moment of time, the divisions in humanity expressed through language difference were overcome. These divisions are presented in Genesis as the judgment of God. What happened on the day of Pentecost suggests that God's curse had been removed. But the confusion of tongues was not undone by providing a common spirit language. Communication actually took place through the diversity of languages represented there. God was expressing his ultimate intention to unite people from every tribe and language and people and nation under the rule of his son, providing reconciliation through him and access to the father by one spirit. And so in the, the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost, we have this, this beautiful, beautiful visual picture of the Spirit's presence with those who follow Christ, as well as this special foreshadowing of the, the future unity of the church made up of every people from, from every nation united under Jesus Christ as Lord through the Holy Spirit. In this moment, we're being given such a beautiful picture of our own future. Because each and every one of us, if we've given our lives to Christ, we've been given this same gift of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but when when I trusted in Jesus, when I gave my life to him, I I didn't have a tongue of fire show up over my head. I, I didn't start to speak different languages. But if you have repented of your sin and put your faith in Christ, in the moment you made that decision, you were given that same gift of the Holy Spirit. You have the blessing of God's presence with you each and every day. Later in the passage, in verse 38, Peter calls the crowds to repent of their sin, to put their trust in Jesus, and tells them that they will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. No longer is God's presence restricted just to one nation, one specific group of people, but it's been made available to everyone who has trusted in Christ. And this is the future that we have to look forward to. A future of worshiping Christ, united with those from every tribe and tongue and nation, unified under Christ as our Lord through the gift of the Holy Spirit, to worship him forever. What a beautiful future that is going to be. What what a beautiful gift we've been given. And so that's the first significant thing that happens at the day of Pentecost is the coming of the Holy Spirit on all of Christ's followers. And then beginning in verse 14, Peter begins to preach to the crowds that have gathered. And and this sermon that he's preaching, it continues all the way until verse 36. And really the entire purpose of this sermon is to preach the gospel to everyone who will listen. And that brings us to the second major thing that we see happening at Pentecost, The first was that it was the coming of the Holy Spirit. And the second is that Pentecost marks the birth of the church. 
In Matthew 28, Jesus charged his disciples with this great commission to go to make disciples of all nations, to baptize them and to teach them all that he had commanded. And and he sort of reiterates this command in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And again, this is what we're beginning to see fulfilled at Pentecost. Jesus makes it clear that through the gift of the Holy Spirit that the disciples receive, they will be empowered to carry out this mission that he has given them. And if you look at what Peter says all the way from verse 14 down to verse 36, he explains so clearly who Jesus was and what he came to do And he makes clear that all of Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, all of these things were a part of God's sovereign plan of redemption. And at the end of of this sermon, we're we're told how people reacted. And this this is verse 37. And it says, Now when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter responds to them in verse 38 and 39, and he says this, Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And so Peter calls people to repent of their sin, to put their trust in Jesus Christ and to be baptized. And when you look at what Peter's doing there, he's following that, that pattern or that template that they were given by Jesus in the Great Commission to make disciples, to baptize them, and to teach them. And you look at how people responded It says, so those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about three thousand souls. Such an amazing thing is happening here. When people heard the gospel, they responded, and about 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus Christ that day. And the next section, all the way to the end of the chapter, verse 42 to 47, gives us a description of, of what that growing community of believers looked like. And how they, how they treated one another, how they interacted with one another. Verse 42, we read that they devoted themselves together to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship together, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. We also read that they were generous with one another, giving to one another. They, they shared life with one another. They met together and they worshipped together. This passage, it shows us the very beginnings of the church, where where it all got started. The entire book of Acts, it's all about the expansion of the gospel and the building of the church. We see in Acts, as the gospel spreads and people come to faith in Christ, new churches are established in, in each city where the gospel is preached. It's what the entire book is about. That the Great Commission is being fulfilled all throughout the book of Acts because of the gift and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. 
This is where it all started. This, this is why we exist here as a church today, because of what happened at Pentecost, when the church was born, because the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus' followers to live out the great commission that Jesus had given them and preach the gospel. And this goes along so well with the evangelism series that we've just finished up as a church because we are called to follow the example of what we see happening here in the book of Acts. We've been given this gift of the Holy Spirit for for that same purpose. As a result of this gift that we've been given, we should be passionate about seeing this great commission fulfilled in our community. A couple of weeks ago, we, we looked at what it takes to share the gospel without fear and that one of the most important things that we need in order to carry out this mission is the Holy Spirit. He is the one who equips us. He is the one who empowers us to obey Jesus by spreading the gospel. Because of the Spirit's work in the disciples, we see explosive growth of the church all throughout the book of Acts. And it's that same kind of attitude that that led to Liberty Grace itself being planted as a church, that Daryl and Charlene felt God working on their hearts to preach the gospel and establish a church in a community where there was no church. And now almost eight years later, here we are. As we've been given this gift of the Spirit in order to live out the mission that Jesus has given us. So let's commit as a church to living this out through the power of the Spirit, to preach the gospel with those around us, to pray that the Spirit would be working in the hearts of those that hear us, and as a result, that we would see that 1% of Liberty Village, that 100 people come to faith in Christ because of the empowering of the Spirit that we have been given. And it's significant to point out not everyone that hears us preach the gospel will listen to what we have to say. And in verse 12, we, we see that there were those who mocked the disciples, said they, they were just drunk and, and didn't really think much of what they were saying. And yet the disciples continued to preach because that is what they had been called to do. Whether people responded or not, they continued to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, because that is what they were called to do. And that is what the spirit empowered them to do. And really that, that gives us an answer to this question. Why does Pentecost matter so much for the church? And why is it worth remembering Pentecost matters because it's the birth of the church and the beginning of the fulfillment of the Great Commission through the gifting and the empowering of the Holy Spirit given to all of Christ's believers. And so how how do we respond to this as a church? This is something that happened thousands of years ago, and it's it's important and significant for us to remember this and to celebrate it, but how, how do we respond? How does this change what we're doing today? Really, there, there are two different responses that I want to point out today. And the first is that it should cause us to have confidence in the presence of the Holy Spirit with us and energize us for the mission that Christ has given us. We just talked about that, that through, through this entire passage, we've seen so much of God's faithfulness and fulfilling the promises that he had made through this amazing gift of the Spirit. 
And the reality is that we have this same gift, is that we have the Holy Spirit with us in every single day, in every situation that we face, the Holy Spirit is with us if we've given our life to Christ. And it, it, it brings, to mind, uh, brings to my mind at least words from Romans chapter 8, verse 31, in which Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? So have confidence in the amazing gift that you have been given. That if you have given your life to Christ, you have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he is present with you. That should, that should encourage and, and energize us to want to take the gospel to everyone who will listen. And the second, the second response that I think we, we see in this passage is simply amazement. To be amazed by all that God has done and be driven to worship him. If you look in Acts chapter 2, you see how people responded and, and reacted when they saw what God was doing through the disciples when the Holy Spirit came. Here are a few of the different words that were used. People, they were bewildered, they were perplexed, they were astonished, and they were amazed when they saw what was happening. It was such an amazing thing. People could barely comprehend and you and I, we're living proof of what God has done through his son and through the gift of the spirit that was given at Pentecost. And so when we reflect on, on these amazing things that have happened, we reflect on this amazing moment in our history, it should leave us completely dumbfounded to see the faithfulness of God play out and it should cause us to worship our Lord for all that he has done. So I want to encourage us not to lose the significance of this day, not to lose the importance of what this means for us. To not forget the faithfulness of God that is shown at Pentecost. To not forget the amazing gift that we've been given. And as we reflect on and, and celebrate this day, let it give us confidence of God's continuing presence with us and let it cause us to worship him for the amazing gift that he's given and the amazing things that he's done. Father, thank you so much for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, for, for this amazing gift that we could never deserve. Lord, I, I pray that as a church, we would have confidence in your presence with us in each and every day, in every moment. And God, because of that, we would be in, encouraged and energized to share the gospel with those around us, to share the gospel with the people of Liberty Village. And God, that we would see people come to faith in you. And Lord, that I pray that as we... Uh, as we are reminded of these things, it would cause us to worship you. You are such a good God. You are such a, a faithful and a loving God. And Father, we, we, we are so humbled by the amazing gifts that you have given us. And, and we thank you and we worship you in your name. Amen. Well, thanks so much for tuning in today. We hope that this is an encouragement to you. As always, if you want to know more about us and our ministry, feel free to follow us on Facebook or Instagram or go to our website. Thanks so much and see you next time.